film. Always remember, I am nothing. I was apprenticed to the most powerful being in the galaxy once. I was destined to become so much more. We meet again, Kenobi. Welcome to my world. Take them back to the palace. This story will tell the complete life of Darth Maul, in chronological order, using each and every canon source. From the child of the mysterious Dathomirian witches, apprenticeship to Sidious in early training, the first Jedi he killed, the duel of fates on Naboo, how he survived for 12 years in squalor and isolation, and how he rose to take on apprentices of his own, create his own empire, and wage his dual wars, one against his Sith master, one against the Jedi Obi-Wan Kenobi. But our story begins some decades before the Clone Wars. On a world steeped in dark side energy, Mother Talzin would give birth to a red-skinned boy. The exact year is lost to history, but his legacy of rage and revenge would burn its way across the galaxy. This boy's mother was the head of the Night Sisters, a matriarchal group of dark side magic wielders. They lorded over the males of the society, keeping them in settlements that were devoted to growing their physical strength. When it was time for mating, the Night Sisters would come and take their pick. Maul's father is unknown, but Talzin instantly recognized that this child was special. His innate connection to the Force was palpable. Talzin personally cared for Maul, while his brothers Feral and Savage were tossed aside and sent back to the settlement. During these early years, he would receive the ceremonial black tattoos that covered the Dathomirian Zabrax bodies. Perhaps detecting this creature's appearance in the dark side, a human calling himself Darth Sidious came to visit Dathomir. Once he showed the clan mother his own powers as a dark side wielder, these two masters of their respective dark arts decided to share knowledge, combining Sith teachings with the Night Sister magics. And with this bond came a promise. The Sith Lord would take Talzin as his right hand, bringing the galaxy under the rule of the Sith and Night Sisters. But this was a lie. Sidious too could sense the potential in Maul, and if trained properly from this young age, he could become a powerful apprentice in the Sith tradition of the Rule of Two. Talzin was devastated, and would spend her life plotting to get revenge on this Sith Lord, who had disappeared into the void of space just as suddenly as he appeared. It would be decades before she would see her son again. Sidious would have the young Zabrak's mind, muscles, and his Force connection beaten and forged into a weapon. Channeling anger and athleticism, he killed the galaxy's most fearsome monsters with just primitive tools, until he found a weapon that would most suit his style of combat. Sidious knew of accounts of the double-bladed lightsabers that dated back to the mythical stories of the Sith Lord Exar Kun, stories that were passed down through the Keldroma epics. A weapon that was known to be more difficult, but also more intimidating. Less wieldy, but much more deadly in the hands of a purely offensive combatant. As Maul grew more proficient with the red-bladed weapon of the Sith, Sidious took his apprentice to Malachor, showed his apprentice the remains of the ancient battle between the Sith and the Jedi, all under the shadow of the Great Temple. When this kyber-powered superweapon was unleashed that fateful day, a design which would later inspire the Death Star, both Sith and Jedi were turned into ash, frozen in time. Sidious wanted Maul to feel a connection to these ancient Sith, and experience this attack from the Jedi, so he made him breathe in the ashes of a slain Sith warrior. Maul's connection to the Force allowed him a brief but intense vision, voices chanting, far above, far below. We don't know where we'll fall. Far above, far below. What once was great is rendered small. And Maul could see the other Sith being cut down by the Jedi, and eventually feel all of their pain. Experience a thousand saber blades burn through his body. Experience a thousand deaths. When he snapped back to the present, his burning want to gain revenge against the Jedi had been ignited. But Sidious knew that this fire must be properly fueled, 
And instead of killing Jedi, it would be several years of hunting the galaxy's most deadly beasts, like the enormous Rathars. But in secret, Maul would stalk the Jedi just to prove that he could evade their detection. The thrill of knowing that he could swoop down at any moment and take the life of one who thought that they were safe in the light side of the Force. This infuriated Sidious, and he warned Maul that if he continued to threaten his grand plan, if he risked revealing the existence of the Sith prematurely, he would kill Maul himself. The Apprentice is then told that the pirates in the Kellogg system had captured a member of the Trade Federation, a valuable pawn that Sidious would like to leave on the board. Maul arrives in his scimitar and makes quick work of their ships, but grows frustrated at his master's restraints. A room full of goons are effortlessly cut down, while Maul was just thinking about his lust to kill a Jedi, and the dark side seems to have rewarded this, as one of the pirates confuses him for a Jedi and desperately begs for his life, telling the Zabrak that he knows of a kidnapped Jedi Padawan that was going to be sold at a slave auction. Concealing this information would mark the first time that Maul deliberately disobeyed Darth Sidious. Wanting to go and kill this Padawan, he needed to keep his new side mission a secret, so he murders the Nymoidian he was sent to rescue, thinking to himself, my master has his secrets, so too do I have mine. So take him to the infamous crime-infested world of Nar Shaddaa. As he entered the cantina on the so-called Smuggler's Moon, he thinks to himself something that will prove prophetic. My life ends only when my rage has been vented, when my need for vengeance is satisfied. The patrons were beaten for the refusal to provide intel, knowing that if he ignited his crimson blade, word would spread, perhaps even to one of Sidious's countless informants. Once defeated, a group of bounty hunters introduces themselves, saying they know the criminal Maul was asking about. Aura Singh, Cad Bane, Vordilo, and a Chadra fan named Tech Tech had killed a crew that was heading to the auction. With some plying of the protocol droid, it agreed to lead them to the Draxel system. Zev Zexus's event was a who's who of criminals, with many organizations that Maul would later come to bring under his control. As the hostess explains the main item, Maul's dark eye probe droid reports to him that it has located the prisoner. He is now face to face with his enemy, able to kill one of those from the Order that had killed thousands of Sith. He basked in her primal fear, but was interrupted by Zrexus and her retinue of droidica guards. Even for Maul, in these close quarters, with those heavy blasters and shields, he might not make it. And as he left the Jedi, he mused that ironically he was seeing that immense patience and restraint was required, even for a simple mission as this, and he grants that Sidious's grand plans within plans require even more patience. But still, he should find ways to allow Maul to kill. The bounty hunters figure out who won the auction, and sneak aboard the Mugen ship and incapacitate the crew. As the winners arrive, they are swiftly killed by Maul. But it's his manipulation of his cloak around one of the targets that was picked up by the Padawan. She could tell he was a Force user, but sensed that he was no Jedi. She asks if he is a Sith, and Maul confirms, being the first instance of a Jedi knowingly meeting a Sith in over a thousand years. Maul repeats the line he heard by the long-dead Sith of Malachor, what once was great was rendered small. Padawan Eldricatus tried to show confidence, and baits Maul into a fair fight. Just then, Zrexus sets off an explosive that had been previously planted in the Mugen ship, and announces to the bidders that they can now buy in to hunt down the Jedi themselves. As hordes of hunters descend on them, Maul frees the Padawan and gives her her lightsaber. They protect one another, while also knowing that their sabers will eventually turn to each other. She pleads with him to turn away from the darkness, but to no avail. The fight is intense, Maul admits he underestimated her, and she surprised him with a move to cause a small avalanche. But Maul's strength did not fail him. He surged up through the rocks, and the crimson blade of a Sith tasted the blood of a Jedi once more. The first of Maul's Jedi kills, and all behind his master's back. 
From here, he would kill the droid that helped him find the Padawan, pay off his bounty hunter allies, who then dropped him off at Rexus's flagship. She actually recognized him as a Sith, and Maul knows she must die in order to keep the return of the Sith a secret. He makes his way back to Coruscant, where Sidious abruptly brings up the slain Padawan, explaining that this was all a test, that Maul was supposed to be driven to pursue and kill this Jedi. Maul showed a level of deception, independence, and passion that was necessary to become a powerful Sith Lord. As Maul thinks about the meaning of this lesson, he notes that he only feels a more intense craving to bring down the Jedi Order. And to fill this void, he would go and kill off Force Sensitives that he discovered in the criminal elements of Coruscant's lower levels, relishing in the fact that these supposedly enlightened Jedi had overlooked these beings, and that they were being killed by a Sith right under their looming temple on the rich upper levels. Sidious chastises him, but takes him back to Malachor to receive another lesson from their ancient forebearers. Again, the ashes transport his mind, where now he sees himself as a heroic Jedi. He is a savior, embraced with love and praise, but Maul is still able to draw on his rage and beheads the grateful family. Proud of himself for denying the comforting promise of the light side, he is instantly transported to the battlefront, surrounded by countless Jedi Knights. He snaps out of this vision and sees that the lesson was that strength alone is nothing. The Jedi have numbers. His master is right to temper his anger with patience. Ironically, as Maul finally learned some patience, it would only be a few weeks before he could finally step out of the shadows. Sidious contacted his agents in the Trade Federation and had them move to blockade Naboo. Then Senator Palpatine would fight alongside Queen Padme Amidala to expose the weakness of the Valorum administration. A decade from now, the Sith Lord hoped to drag the entire galaxy into war, and for this, he needed the Jedi to think that the Sith had returned to manipulate the galaxy once more. The Jedi would need to retake their position as generals, defending the Republic from the Sith-controlled military force. So this weapon, which Sidious had been forging since childhood, was finally to be unsheathed, drawn against the Queen and the two Jedi who helped her escape. It's impossible to locate the ship. It's out of our range. Not full of Sith. Sidious instructs him to find the Queen, and by scanning the destination of all signals sent out from Naboo, he picks up on a distress call from Governor Sio Bibble. Maul informs his master of the finding, and the Lord of the Sith says that the moment he has long been craving has finally arrived. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. Arriving at this sand planet via his scimitar, once planet side, he lets out a swarm of probe droids. Eventually, they discover a Naboo royal ship and Maul races across the Dune Seas on his heavily modified speeder bike, the Bloodfin. As he closed in on the form of two humans sprinting towards the J-Type 327, Maul felt a vast disturbance in the Force that surprisingly came not from the Master, but from the small boy, Anakin, who would become Darth Sidious's most prized apprentice just 13 years later. But this feeling had to be ignored. He was bursting with furious excitement at finally being able to openly confront a true Jedi Master. Igniting a single blade, swift and powerful blows were blocked, but quickly draining Qui-Gon Jinn, an unrelenting barrage of saber and force-powered athleticism. If not for the Royal Starship kicking up sand and giving Qui-Gon an out, he may have been killed in just a few more seconds, as the Sith calmly stands tall, while the Jedi is exhausted, collapsing to the floor and short of breath. Are you alright? I think so. What was it? I'm not sure. Back on Coruscant, Palpatine would manipulate the Queen, while the Jedi Council talked of the potential of the Sith re-emerging after millennia of extinction, a revelation that shook the foundation of the Jedi Order, with only Yoda considering that Qui-Gon's troubling conclusions might be true. Impossible. 
the Sith have been extinct for a millennium. I do not believe the Sith could have returned without us knowing. Ah, hard to see the dark side is. Unsure what to do with this information, the Jedi have to focus on the task at hand, and Qui-Gon and Kenobi escort Padme and her retinue back to Naboo, where they will join Gungan forces to retake the capital. Anticipating this move, Darth Maul has been sent to the Royal Palace to work with the leaders of the Trade Federation. When Amidala does return, the Jedi are to be killed, and the Queen forced to sign the treaty. And so, moments after their arrival on the compound, Maul challenges them in the palace hangar. Both blades activated, he was able to put those long years of countless trials to use, easily engaging both Jedi while leading them right into a trap. Through the blast doors, they entered the plasma refinery complex, and these raised platforms would be used to separate Apprentice from Master. With each strike and parry, he channeled his anger, but he was not able to lead Qui-Gon through the laser wall defense grid quick enough. They were split up, with simply no way to continue the fight until the barrier lifted. Sidious may have smirked if he could have seen how the battle tested Maul's patience. As Qui-Gon calmly went into meditation, the Sith Lord paced with the energy of a wild animal. When the gates lift, the relentless assault from the double-bladed lightsaber continues, and eventually, he finds an opening. He had now killed a Jedi Master, and Maul instantly turned to look Kenobi in the eyes to savor the young Jedi's pain. When the gates come down once more, it is the Jedi who channels his rage into a ferocious assault which results in the severing of Maul's lightsaber. But the Sith is still able to keep Kenobi at bay, and engage him long enough to open up his defenses to a force push. Hanging over the side, Maul casually kicks the apprentice's blade into the reactor shaft, and the Sith decides to toy with his next kill. But oddly, the Jedi does not seem afraid. Utterly unwilling to be out high-grounded, Kenobi draws completely on the force, launching himself up and over Maul, calling his master's lightsaber to him before cutting the Sith in two. Absolutely stunned by this impossible defeat, Maul's body plummets down the shaft. That same day, the Sith who had kidnapped him and brutally worked Maul into a weapon from the time of his childhood was on top of the galaxy, as Palpatine was elected to Supreme Chancellor of the Republic. Maul's indulgence in the final moment of the battle was his undoing, while Sidious's strategy of patience proved effective. That night, the Senator would return to his homeworld to attend the funeral of the slain Jedi Master. As the crowd looked upon the pyre, the Jedi wondered which of the Sith was killed, the Master or the Apprentice, while Palpatine looked at the result of years of training a Jedi assassin. Both believed that this monster of a Dathomirian Zabrak was killed that day, but Maul's wounds were cauterized by the blade, and his mission was not yet done. His rage gave him the will to refuse his fate, and as he fell down the shaft, he used the force to pull a piece of ventilation tubing towards him. Grabbing onto it, he was able to climb up and through the bowels of the lower complex, until he finally arrived at a trash chute. This container was one of countless trash pickups on Naboo, taking it out to the dumpster world of Lotho Minor. Here, the once apprentice to the most powerful being in the galaxy would live in a maze of trash tunnels, surviving off of the rodents that infested this scrap heap of a planet. Three years after the Battle of Naboo, his appearance was still reverberating through the Jedi Order with some like Anakin even modifying a training droid to look like Darth Maul, something Palpatine witnessed and found most impressive. Twelve years after that fateful duel, the fallen Sith's mother knew that her son who was stolen all those years ago was still alive somewhere in the Outer Rim, and Maul's return to the galaxy would be inadvertently initiated by Darth Sidious himself. He feared that Maul's replacement, Count Dooku, was plotting to betray him by training his own apprentice. I would hate to think you are training your own Sith apprentice to destroy me. You are no longer my apprentice. And now, 
you shall die. By having a requisite class light destroyer broadside a fellow CIS capital ship of the Providence class, which Ventress was in, and then sending a hyena bomber to crash into the hangar, Dooku was convinced that Ventress was killed in the resulting explosion, but she was able to acquire a ship and fled to her homeworld of Dathomir. Originally a Night Sister, she was captured as a child by slave raiders. When Mother Talzin learned of how this Sith Lord betrayed Ventress, she helped to plan an assassination attempt. And though this attempt failed, it left Dooku vulnerable. To fill the role of a new apprentice, Talzin contacted the Sith and made him an offer. It is unlikely that the Count would have known much about Darth Maul, or his background, but he would definitely know that he was a Dathomirian Zabrak, and that they were highly trained killers. It is true that your warriors are of an extraordinary caliber. This gift would be a plan, and when the time was right, their witch magics would cause this assassin to turn on the Sith Lord. When Ventress arrives at the male encampment, the best among them are brought out. She finds many to be pathetically weak, but grabs a handful to compete against her, two of which were Maul's blood brothers, Savage and Feral. This betrayed apprentice is easily able to best them all in combat, but when she is about to kill Feral, his brother offers himself up and challenges her one-on-one. -on -one. The incredible proficiency he was able to display when properly motivated impresses Ventress, even if she still defeats him. Savage was brought back to the Night Sister Temple, where they performed an excruciating transformation, using their magics to turn him into a powerful beast that would obey their every command. And to ensure that their control was complete, they had one final test for their creation. No! Brother! Brother, please! He is then planted at Dooku's side, and spends months training with the Count and going on a homicidal rampage that drew the attention of the Jedi Order. When Savage kills a target that Dooku wanted alive, the Count unleashes his rage on the beast, attacking him with blast after blast of Force Lightning. Ventress arrives and activates the conditioning that enslaves him to her commands, but as the fight drags on, the Zabrak is beaten down, receiving even more volleys of lightning, enough that would have killed most other creatures. And this seems to have shaken him out of the spell cast by the Night Sister magic. He turns on them both, and then has to fight his way through the Jedi and droid alike in order to escape. Returning to Dathomir, he tells Talzin that he was not strong enough to defeat the Sith, and she assures him that he still has a destiny to fulfill, that his brother is still alive, and together they can have their revenge on the Sith, that alternative dark side cult that had used and abused both Knight Brothers and Knight Sisters alike. Savage's search would be tedious and extensive, but with a talisman he could tell when he was finally on the right world. Covered in miles of trash, this planet held a sibling that he long thought dead, I'm here at last, brother. An anacondon named Morley had offered to guide him around this maze like heaps of trash, taking him to the being that he suspected would be his brother. But this was a trick. He leads Savage to a trapdoor and drops him into the lair of a monstrous spider creature. It stalks Savage before striking and nearly overcoming him. But as it tries to rip him to pieces, the talisman grows ever brighter, and in its glow, he could not believe what he was seeing. This was his brother. Dumped here 12 years ago, Maul had crafted a set of mechanical legs and feasted on the scavengers and rodents that filled this place. Morley was Maul's first apprentice, calling Maul master, as the serpent would lead scavengers into the pit and eat the scraps left by the Zabrak. This was a life that drove him to insanity. Through victory, my strings have broken the chains. The chains are the easy part. It's what goes on in here that's hard. He saw himself as both fierce and pathetic, deserving of greatness and trash, manically bouncing back and forth as Savage tries to question him. 
but the one thing that remained intact was his want for revenge. Into the filth! Through the grief! Jedi! Revenge. I must have revenge. This reunion was so powerful that even though this was a time that the dark side clouded much, such an intense dark side awakening in the Force was felt by Yoda meditating on Coruscant. Killed your master many moons ago. He did. How can this be? I killed him myself. It is so, I fear. Savage was able to get Maul on board the transport and take him back to Dathomir. We see that his fractured mind is torturing him with the memories of his past, bombarding him with the phrase he learned as a child during his training on Malachor. Far above, far above what once was greatest rendered small. Mother Talzin leads them to the temple, which in the time that Savage was gone had been attacked by the CIS. She performs a ritual similar to that done to transform Savage. Her magics clear his tortured mind, pulling out these poisonous thoughts, while scrap parts from destroyed B2 super battle droids would be reforged into his legs, all bound into place through these dark side arts. When he rises, we see Talzin disappear, as her body had been killed during that CIS attack. But Maul is truly alive for the first time since the Battle of Naboo. And though he laments the years lost, he is intensely focused on revenge. It has been so long and my path has been so dark. Darker than I ever dreamed it could be. Discarded. Forgotten. I have missed so much. The Clone Wars. Ah oh, yes. So it began. Without me. I was apprenticed to the most powerful being in the galaxy once. I was destined to become so much more. But I was robbed of that destiny by the Jedi, by Obi-Wan Kenobi. The first step would be to get the Jedi's attention by slaughtering innocents, and the message sent to the Jedi Temple instructs Kenobi to come alone. Although Mace Windu believes his capture to be too important at a time where they worry about a secret Sith that is controlling the Senate, but Yoda still sides with Kenobi. Against my better judgment. Agree with Master Kenobi. I do. Luckily for the Jedi, the CIS were offering a 1 million credit bounty on Savage for his betrayal, something that Ventress gladly picked up at a bounty hunter guild. When Kenobi arrives to confront Maul, he acts as if he doesn't remember him. This of course infuriated Maul. I'm not sure I've made your acquaintance. I am surprised you could have forgotten me so easily after I killed your master and you left me for dead on Naboo. And when Savage appears, the fight is brutal, with the Jedi being easily beaten down by the sheer strength of Savage. Taken prisoner, they intend to slowly torture the Jedi, but are interrupted by Ventress who is able to sneak on board their ship. These unlikely allies' first means of attack is simply to troll the furious Zabrax. Like your new legs. They make you look taller. Brother, looks like he's half the man you are, Savage. She leads them away and is able to double back and give one of her sabers to Kenobi. The fight is a blinding whirlwind of crimson blades, but again, the pure strength is simply too much in these tight quarters. Ventress loses a blade, Kenobi regains his, and Maul tries to fill the Jedi with rage to knock him off balance. You master Qui-Gon Jinn, I gutted him while you stood helpless and watched. Ventress and Kenobi know that they cannot win this fight, and they desperately make their way towards an escape craft, barely jettisoning off in time. Savage is eager to pursue them, but if there's one thing these past 12 years have taught Maul, it is patience. We will be patient, Savage. 
I've waited so many years for my revenge. I can wait a little longer. And the man who was once held back from killing Jedi went on a Jedi killing spree across the galaxy, hunting down pairs of Master and Apprentice. And later when they raid a banking clan transport to gain credits for their operation, Maul decides it is time to behave in a more traditional Sith role, putting the brother that saved him down into his proper place. There is no need for dominance between us. Always two there are, my brother. A master and an apprentice. And now marks the start of Maul's rise to become the galaxy's most notorious crime boss. Using a cargo ship as bait, Weequay pirates are lured on board and offered great riches if they would betray their leader Hondo Onaka. As one of the most established criminals of this era, the Weequay Pirate King is not impressed. You are not the first laser sword wielding maniac I've had to deal with. He alerts Kenobi of the betrayal, and Obi-Wan and Adigalia make their way to intercept. Begun the pirate wars have. The battle takes many lives, with Onaka's loyalists pushed back, and Galia eventually being killed by Savage. The Pirate King has a plan, however. In the base's tunnels, he traps the traitors, and with a rousing speech, combined with heavy firepower and the promise of plundering the Horned Men's ships, they are back on Onaka's side. Kenobi, meanwhile, is forced to fight the two alone. Maul shows some stunning strength in the Force, being able to pick up the Jedi and fling him at will. But as the brothers think they have him pinned, a quick move allows Obi-Wan to slide out from under their sabers and up through Savage's arm, severing it at the shoulder, taking his third Zabrak limb. Maul sees the plan has failed, and as they flee from the pirates, his mechanical legs are hit several times, eventually blowing one off at the knee. Savage has to carry his brother, while Maul deflects the incoming bolts. They are both just able to make it into their ship, but a hit by a rocket launcher forces them onto an emergency escape craft. As the ship crashes to the surface, their escape vessel leads them out into interplanetary space. But this was not made as a standalone vessel. Fuel and life support systems quickly ran out, but as long as Maul was filled with rage, he finds a way to survive. A Death Watch patrol in this area had heard of the massive attack between Jedi, pirates, and these mysterious red lightsaber-wielding enemies of the Jedi. These Mandalorians cut their way into the ship using a darksaber, an ancient Jedi blade, and their leader Pre Vizsla is intrigued by these creatures. If they're an enemy of the Jedi, then they're a friend of mine. Load them up! And when they return to the Death Watch camp, Vizsla shows that he understands much more about Sith lore than most. I thought there could only be two Sith. A master and an apprentice. They are able to replace his legs with standard-sized human mechano legs, and Savage is given a humanoid robotic arm. Pre Vizsla calls Maul into a meeting, where he explains how Duchess Satine and the pacifists calling themselves the New Mandalorians have destroyed their warrior culture. But the pacifists' powerful allies in the Republic and Jedi Order are able to keep Death Watch at bay. But they both have a common enemy in Kenobi, who is personally leading the protection of Duchess Satine and overseeing the combined Republic forces to oppose Death Watch. Maul quickly agrees to help. Mandalore will be yours, and Kenobi, this Sith pretender Dooku, and all our enemies will fall. Though when alone with Savage, he tells them that they will merely be using the Mandos as a tool to exact their revenge. Maul tells Vizsla that although the Mandalorians are very skilled warriors, they need a true army, supply lines and numbers of troops that Death Watch simply cannot provide. Their first step is to go to the headquarters of the Black Sun Crime Syndicate on Mustafar. They set up a meeting, and the series of events from here on out will display all of the wisdom that Maul soaked up from Sidious. 
while we also see how Maul would have preferred to do things, injecting more overt violence and bold takeovers, which he always saw as more fitting the role of a Sith, while tempered with a singular, unified, long-term vision that these acts fulfill, like Sidious advised. After failing to give up their operations, Savage severs all of their heads, all except one that is, who would remain as the puppet leader over Black Sun, a fellow Faelin species to keep the appearance of autonomy. Pre Vizsla is excited to take this new combined army to Mandalore, but Maul shoots down this simplistic and naive response. We have our army now. I have a plan to undermine Satine. The army is weak. Your vision lacks clarity. Without us, you have no army and no reason to replace the Duchess. This would be the first tremor through the Sith-Mando alliance, but from here they would take over several smaller criminal enterprises. Word quickly spread of this horned red devil that was taking over the underworld, to the point that major organizations like the Pike Syndicate actually reached out and volunteered an alliance. This so-called Shadow Collective then went on to the planet Nalhutta to make one of their most daring takeovers. Offering the Huts, the species that had been the leaders of crime for millennia, but had been so strong that Hut space was considered independent from both the CIS and Republic, to this gathering of criminal nobility, Maul makes a simple offer. Your lives, in exchange for Hut space and everything in its borders. <laughs> There's a reason the Huts have been dominant for so long. Some of the galaxy's best bounty hunters appear and start pushing back these unwanted guests. The toughest battle so far has them nearly driven off the landing platform, but Bo-Katan and a Mando reserve are able to swoop in and take out the guards. Fighting their way back into the meeting chamber, there is only one hut left, the others following what was likely a well-rehearsed emergency protocol in case of crazed criminal upstart, and they successfully made it to their escape craft and were already off-world. All but Aruba, who is tortured into telling them to go to Tatooine. When the Huts see that they were able to easily take Jabba's palace, and that these unrelenting Sith and Mando won't stop until all the Huts are dead or allied, the Hut Grand Council gave in. For them, it wouldn't be a full takeover, but a tribute of troops and supplies. Their mighty Jabba and the Hut families have decided to join you. Vizsla sees that Maul is plotting more than he's letting on, and is driven furious by the Sith statement that Maul will lead the criminal underworld while the Mandalorians protect him in his enterprises. Without exploding on Maul there, he waits and confides in Bo-Katan that these two horned monsters will soon be taken care of. Mandalore will soon be ours, and Maul and his brother will be dead alongside the Duchess. Combined forces rally at the Death Watch outpost on Xanbar, where Maul explains how the criminals will be instrumental in painting Vizsla as a strong leader that Mandalore needs. Our gangsters will make her look too weak to maintain control. Then you and your Death Watch will capture and arrest us, bringing order where Satine's weak government could not. While both Vizsla and Bo-Katan admit that this is a great plan, she knows they can't be trusted. He tells Bo-Katan that when they have them executed, the criminals will break up and disperse, and they will have crossed the Sith before they could betray Mandalore. All the while, Savage warns that the Mandos can't be trusted, but Maul explains why they can't openly rule this world, and you see how the wisdom of political manipulation has been passed down from Palpatine, through Maul, and is now even being grasped by Savage. We cannot rule openly without drawing the attention of the Jedi. We need Vizsla as the face of our rule, for now. The promise of wealth will find us a new face on Mandalore. On Vizsla's mark, the Shadow Collective descends on key areas of the capital city. Some are just open attacks on civilian centers that easily cut down the Mandalorian Guard. 
while others attack assets that are key to the government and economy, like the central bank. As news of this criminal blitzkrieg spreads throughout the Mandalorians, Duchess Satine is forced to give an emergency address, one which Death Watch crashes. Satine is sure that this is no coincidence, and pleads with her people that siding with them will lead to the end of Mandalore, a prophetic statement that she will not live to see come true. Do not listen to him! His war will cause the end of Mandalore as we know it! As attacks continue, Maul instructs Vizsla to start staging some theatrical apprehensions of the criminals. And over the next couple of days, it is Death Watch who always shows up at the right place and right time, subduing these offworlders. Once public approval was high enough, Pre Vizsla led the charge into the royal court and announces the coup. Your weak-minded rule of Mandalore is at an end. Satine knew she was outplayed and peacefully surrenders. That night, Death Watch parades the captured criminals in front of a crowd of hundreds of thousands of Mandalorians, many proud to be returning to their strong warrior traditions for the first time in decades. Pre Vizsla is named the new prime minister, to resounding cheers. Triumphant over his ousting of the pacifists, there was one more thing to take care of. Maul is captured, paraded in front of the people as well, and finally transported to the prison alongside his brother, just where the Sith wanted to be. Together they are able to escape, and eventually locate Almec, their pawn to replace Pre Vizsla all along. Almec was a member of Duchess Satine's government, previously serving as prime minister, but he was imprisoned for establishing a black market on Malakor once they decided to stay neutral in the Clone Wars. Being independent cut them off from Galactic Republic aid, and in the eyes of many, he was imprisoned simply for trying to ease the suffering of the citizens during this time of war. While others point out that these goods were non-essentials, and some of these smuggled goods ended up being toxic, nearly killing several children. All details that Maul loved to hear, a man who could be repackaged to the public, but who at his core was driven by luxury and greed. Maul also knew the Mandalorian codes of honor, and with Almec free, he went to challenge Vizsla to a one-on-one -on -one duel. I challenge you, one warrior to another, and only the strongest shall rule Mandalore. Death Watch respects this ancient right, and watches as their leader fights for his life. An intense battle, two ancient classes of warriors, Mandalorian vs Sith, with two of the most storied blades in history. Maul's was the first Sith blade to kill a Jedi in over a thousand years. The Darksaber, an ancient blade crafted by the first Mandalorian to ever become a Jedi, and which was stolen back by the Mandalorians and used as a symbol of unification. The battle was close, but Maul would not be denied. As Vizsla Nelt just steps away from the Mandalorian throne he coveted, he accepts his fate and upholds the Mandalorian code to his last breath. Only the strongest shall rule. Maul earned the Darksaber and the loyalty of Death Watch, but Bo-Katan and the squad of Night Owls would not stand down. Almec was moved into place as a puppet leader, and make sure to leave Maul's part of it out of the story. Duchess Satine has murdered Free Vizsla, the true hero of Mandalore. Vizsla's last command that I be reinstated as Prime Minister. From here, the Sith would sit upon the Mandalorian throne, plotting to expand the Shadow Collective, and most of all, use these actions to exact his vengeance on Kenobi, while Almec ruled the day-to-day -day operations. Go. Rule my people. These emergency times would see the capital Sundari put under a complete transmission blockage, but Bo-Katan and those of Death Watch still loyal to her helped to rescue Duchess Satine. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Those Death Watch that were loyal to Maul changed their look to represent this secret and true ruler of Mandalore, 
These mall DeLoreans would chase them through the capital, but Satine was eventually able to get far enough away to broadcast a distress call to the Jedi Temple, asking for none other than Kenobi. This is a message for Obi-Wan Kenobi. I've lost Mandalore. My people have been massacred. Kayati Mundi points out that because they chose to be neutral, this is considered an internal affair. The Jedi cannot get involved. Having learned of their romantic history, Maul set this all up knowing that it would force Kenobi to come alone. In borrowing Anakin's old spice runner ship, the Twilight, Obi is able to sneak onto Mandalore. Incapacitating a dock patrol and donning a suit of Maldalorian armor, Kenobi is able to free Satine. But they are quickly discovered and pursued by the prison guards. Within just moments of takeoff, a pair of rockets send the ship spiraling down to the landing pad. Satine barely survives, and Maul's archenemy is now in his grasp. We meet again, Kenobi. Welcome to my world. They are taken back to the throne room, and Maul savors every moment of this long-awaited triumph. He says he never planned on killing Kenobi. He wants the Jedi to experience all the pain Maul has suffered through. Twelve years of wallowing in trash left to die, from powerful to forgotten, in constant starvation, driven to insanity. The rage bursts through when he force chokes Satine into the air, the woman that Kenobi fell in love with early on in his life as a Jedi. And Maul senses the dark side calling to Obi-Wan. Fear, and yes, your anger. Let your anger deepen your hatred. But Kenobi is resilient in his defense. Even in this moment, he remains calm, tells Maul that only the weak give in to the dark side, and that he knows of Maul's origins on Dathomir. I know where you're from. I've been to your village. I know the decision to join the dark side wasn't yours. The Night Sisters made it for you. Silence! It was I who languished for years, thinking of nothing but you. Nothing but this moment. Using the Force, he pulls her into the blade that was meant to symbolize the unification of Mandalore. Mortally wounded, she collapses, and with her final breath, the Duchess of Mandalore reassures Obi-Wan that she had never forgotten the love they shared. A love pulled apart by his duties to the Order and hers to her people. I've loved you always. As the room falls silent, Savage asks what should be done with him now, and Maul sends Kenobi away, knowing that brutally murdering this Jedi out of rage and bloodlust would not be as satisfying as calmly torturing him over many years. A decision that shows the influence from his old master, a man who knew how to use patience as a cruel weapon. Darth Sidious may have been proud if it had been in alignment with his singular vision, but this rise in the dark side had been detected by the Sith Lord as well. You summon me, Chancellor. Prepare my ship. In part two of the complete canon life of Darth Maul, we will see how he goes from this moment of greatest triumph to his inevitable fall. How Sidious would return to destroy his apprentice and everything he loved, see the criminal empire that Maul will build, and how his plans to kill his old master brings him to merge the light and dark sides, all bringing him right back to his arch enemy, Kenobi. All the sources are cited in the description below as well as links to connect with us on social media, or find ways to support the channel for free. If you want to help fund videos like this, be sure to check out our Patreon. But most important of all, remember, a bad trip on ancient Sith corpse ashes can cause an irreversible bloodlust for dead Jedi. And the Force will be with you. Always.